Hello. Hey, it's Keith. Oh, hi, Keith. How are you? I'm on the mend. Yes, and I check see how see how your healing is going. Well, it's uh, once they get this tube out of me, it'll be, I'm sure, quite quick. But it's kind of painful until it's. I get two more weeks before it comes out. Mm. Well. There, I'm just easing into a chair. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing all right, I guess. I guess it's kind of like uh, it's like a sneak preview of uh, I got my own little story of medical stuff I'll get into after, but like of like what it's like to be real old, <laughs> you know, like having to ease into chairs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I've, and and yeah, gotta if I get up in the morning, I'm once I'm up, I'm fine. But as the day goes on, and see, I'm at work, back at work now not as many hours as I was working, but uh, by the time you're at the end of the day, it's like, oh man, I wish I had a bed here so I could just lay down for about 20 minutes and then I'd be fine again. You need a, a business hammock? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> a business hammock. That is one thing, I mean, they always talk about uh, siestas and stuff in, you know, southern countries and whatever, but how does that work? Do they have little beds and stuff all over the place? Or do they go um, home? I think they just go home in those southern countries. They they actually shut down for two, it's two hours because they, we've been down there on those southern vacations, and like between it's usually twelve and two, nothing's open. And when you go around into people's, like uh, I remember going into um, when we were in Jamaica, uh, walking around in their little towns and that, and there was never a soul around because they were all inside having their snooze. And all the businesses had their little office closed on. But see, then they would they would carry on well into the night. It does make uh, it makes sense though, because even just around here, like that mid afternoon temperature, like the heat, it's just you can't do anything anyway. It's crazy. Oh yeah, like and and in those southern countries, those Caribbean countries, it's brutal. Like between twelve and two, and they say like, don't go out in the sun unless you're nuts. Yeah. Because that's when the the sun is is most intense. And there's all kinds of business, like you hear of the big business moguls around in North America. In the back of their office, they'll have like a little cot or whatever, and they'll shut their office between 12 and 2, let's say. And, uh, and they'll have the little power snooze. And when they get up, they're wildly refreshed, and they carry on and make all kinds of money. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, it does. And the, uh, the rest of our culture that gets up in the morning and works all day, uh, you know, we're, we're crazy. Yeah, and there's all those studies about, you know, like, people with office jobs, like, that they spend, like, two hours a day doing nothing anyway, just goofing off on their computers and everything. So, yeah, it's, it's not a good way to go. And they say that people who um, who don't take the little power snoozes, um, really their, their efficiency in the workplace between, like, let's say, three and five are, you know, poop. <laughs> nowhere near what it was early in the morning yeah and then i think we've talked about it before on this little podcast but just like uh, i think it's france somewhere anyway is going maybe it's sweden but they're like their government jobs are officially four days now oh yeah yeah the four day instead of the five day week yeah work work week and and they're just as efficient as people who work the five days because the fifth day is like kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah it does kind of make sense too because it's not like yeah, like it's just a different, uh, it's a different economy in a different kind of world. Like it's not like we have to go unload a bunch of fish off a boat or something. Like there's really, there is no dire need to get all this stuff done. It's all. And there are certain places abstract. too that have a, their education system works the same way, like a four-day week. 
and they find that uh, they're they're just as efficient. Usually they go like a longer work, a longer school day, another hour like added on. That makes up the fifth day and they find that uh, they learn just as much or maybe more in the four days as they do in the fifth day because the fifth day is just a wasted day anyway. Right. Yeah, and everybody just wants to leave and stuff. And I don't know if you did this when you were, if they did this when you were in school, but I can remember when I was a, a kid in school, in elementary school, every morning and every afternoon, there'd be a little break where the teacher would turn on the lights and you put your head down on your desk and you were supposed to just be quiet. And you, you weren't, people didn't sleep, but you just quiet. No learning, no nothing, just relaxing. Yeah, the only the only time I remember that was like in kindergarten or whatever, like even before school. But I've just never been a good sleeper, so I was always awake for those. Like I would just lay there, stare at the ceiling, <laughs> like I never. Yeah, asleep. well, me too. But but we did it consistently up until I'm going to say grade four. I I can't say beyond that because I, I don't remember. But um, up to grade four, oh yeah, it was a common thing that you just settle down, quiet down, and. And if you were caught talking to your neighbor or whatever, well, the teacher would come by with the big yardstick and slap on your desk, like, quiet down. One thing I've started doing to try to, uh, like, get myself to sleep a little more is, uh, is I'll, uh, that guy, the guy who clearly works in the building just walked by, gave me a weird look because I'm holding this recorder <laughs> to the phone. <laughs> Story of my podcasting life. But, um, yeah, just because if I... If I get out of bed, then I'm all tired and sluggish all day, but I feel kind of restless and I don't want to try to fall back asleep. So the thing I started doing is is I count backwards from 100 and I take a deep breath with each, each uh, you know, number. So it's really slow and real slow. And I usually find that when I get to like 40 or so, or like that's the farthest I remember because then I will fall back asleep. But I gotta, I gotta trick myself. Oh, you've had some medical issue yourself? Yeah, well, it's kind of bad. I mean, it's uh, nothing compared to what you had to go through. But uh, so, I mean, I, I just like walk all the time. Like that's just always, even back when I lived in Fredericton, like I'd walk home from the high school. Like I just walk all the time. I just like to walk. So, uh, man, that has really caught up to me real bad where, um, you know, how I have like fallen arches or flat footed uh -huh. or whatever you call it. So uh, I started noticing, I think I just had kind of a bad pair of shoes, like I bought them at Walmart, you know, they look like the cool uh, Nike, you know, cool uh, CrossFit shoes or whatever that everybody else has, but they're not, they're like the, <laughs> the, the fake $20 ones from Walmart, and uh, I think they were just kind of badly designed. So I started noticing that, like when I woke up in the morning, my feet would be kind of uh, like sting a little on when I first walked around, just like in the bottoms of my feet and then it would go away. And I looked it up and uh, I guess it's called plantar fasciitis. Oh yeah, well, yeah, plantar fasciitis, yeah. Yes. I've heard of it, but I'm not quite sure what it is. So it's basically just like, uh, it's this one real big tendon at the bottom of your foot. Like if you pull back your big toe and just rub along the bottom of your foot, you can feel it really clearly. And it's just that it's getting overused or stretched weird or overtaxed or whatever. So it, uh, it just, it hurts. But it would, uh, you know, it would sting a little bit and then it would go away. So I was like, hey, that's no problem. But then just over weeks and weeks, you know, it started just lasting a little bit longer each time. And so I looked up different stretches I could do and, uh, you know, like tissue massages and stuff that would kind of help. Or even just like rolling your, your foot on like a tennis ball to kind of like roll it on the ground just to 
sort of it's like a massage to your tendon or whatever uh-huh. and all that stuff is helping a bit but where i really went wrong is is i went with a kind of the natural you know way to try to fix stuff where because I did, I did this thing uh i guess two months ago now i i took out the light bulb in my bedroom and man it's been awesome like it's been better than any like taking melatonin pills or any sleep aid or any any kind of bullshit sleep thing i've ever tried to do this has worked way way better like like i just don't have a light anymore so once it's dark it's just dark and i just fall asleep like i was like amazed like it's so simple all these years i've been trying to fall asleep and all i had to do was turn off the light or not give myself the ability to even turn on the light i also got this thing for my computer that uh as the sun goes down it pulls all the blue out of the screen it's like those blue blocker sunglasses i've heard about that yeah because apparently that's the the kind of light that simulates the sun the same kind of i don't know wavelength or whatever so this just pulls all the blue coloring slowly out of my computer screen so i don't even notice it happening but that also helps i guess between the two things it's it's really helped so I was kind of in that mindset of like, wow, this little natural solution really worked well. So I was looking up this plantar fasciitis thing, and one site said that the problem is shoes in general. Like, just that any kind of shoes is really the problem. If we just walked around barefoot like we're supposed to walk around, then we would work all the muscles in our feet like we're supposed to, and everything would be fine. So I went and bought, like, the flattest pair of shoes I could find. <laughs> like, the closest oh God, thing. that's probably worse. It was a terrible decision. Yeah, it turns out, because it's really not, in this case, it's the exact opposite of what I should have done. <laughs> but I was like, well, that makes sense. Yeah, like, why would, why would I just be designed not, not right to not be able to walk right? But I am, <laughs> turns out. You know, not everything has got a natural solution. So, uh, yeah, so I was doing that, and, you know, still massaging my tissue and everything but there was one day when I woke up and instead of the stinging in my feet like going away it just it's like that was the day that it was too much and it just became like burning like my feet were on fire and I clearly like tore something or something bad happened and uh I'm I'm feeling better now because I went out and bought specific um they're they're like uh insoles for your shoes but they're arch only supports, like, yeah. like an arch support but these ones are only the heel like they're only half size and they were really expensive they were like $30 because they're the exact medical blah 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 like they, they claim it's the closest thing besides getting like specific orthopedic shoes and it, it does seem to work I'm feeling much better now I feel like I'm you know I'm staying off my feet more but I'm also like getting better rather than getting worse but for probably like I was going to call you last week and I just couldn't like just even just standing at the phone like I am right now I wouldn't be able to like it was crazy like I always remember uh this one um subway station I lived near in Vancouver but I used to live here I remember there would always be all these old people that were one stop away from the subway or the SkyTrain waiting for the bus and I was always like what is the matter with you like I don't care how old you are, you're one stop away, <laughs> you know, it's like a block and a half or something. Like, just walk to the SkyTrain, are you crazy? But now I think I understand it because I would have waited also. Like, this this was so bad that walking anywhere, unless I walked really slow, like the way you see like 90-year-old people walking, it felt like I was like walking on spikes. Like someone was just stabbing my feet <laughs> with, it was crazy, like I just was completely just out of the out of the game like could barely walk anywhere and that never occurred to me like I never really knew what 
the specific pain was old people have, and I'm sure everybody has different pains, or maybe they have pains like everywhere, <laughs> but this bottom of the feet pain I never really heard of before, and it was just insane. Like, I just couldn't It doesn't move. surprise me, though, that you were having feet problems, because I told you when you were a baby that you had, we had braces right. on your shoes, little, and you in a bed, you'd go to bed at night, because you're, because you had, you had no arches, and, uh, so you had your little your little baby boots, and there was a brace that went between your shoes, and it, like they were like a little lift that went inside the boot, and then a little a little brace that would hold your feet straight. And when you went to bed at night, uh, you put the put the brace on that would hold your feet a certain way, and presumably because your feet were still growing, that little arch thing we were putting in the boot would, would give you an arch support, but it never really did. Right. And of course, you'd whine and cry and didn't want to have it on because, you know, it would affect it how you could turn over when you were asleep. And I remember nights that I could only put it on you once you'd gone to sleep. I mean, maybe it helps. You never know. Maybe I'd be worse off. Because <laughs> this really did take quite a long time for this to build up. Like, because I mean, I, I've been on a walk and tear ever since the weather got good out here. Like, I'll just go on some adventure, pick some place on the map and you know, walk for like seven hours, like just walk like crazy. And it still took quite a long time for this to you build up to this point. You might actually have to sometime go to a foot doctor though. and get Yeah, that's what I was at. thinking. Like if this doesn't, I mean, I feel like I'm healing up pretty good now, but yeah, like obviously, obviously this is a thing. So I, although I read too this website I was reading, I guess um, I think this is a pretty common thing on some level. Like really, I guess the, the lack of arches or whatever, it makes your your feet kind of uh, bow inward a little or curve inward just a little bit. And uh, according to this thing I read, like 70% of people have that at some degree. And it's just, so I mean, that's a lot of people. It's surprising, but. Oftentimes though, people don't feel it. It's not in their feet that they feel the pain, but it's like uh, in their legs, like shin splints and. Right. Well, I have also been, uh, this has been since I was in Toronto, just kind of like, my inner like where your leg connects to your pelvis on the inside uh-huh. uh just pain there for some reason i've been noticing that for ages so i just also looked up different stretches you can do for that and that helps quite a bit but uh but it's probably related yeah like once one thing goes down the whole thing starts yeah yeah down. well your whole body's connected there's no question about it like you should see me walking now this is this is because i got this stomach thing so when I'm walking down to work, it's like I'm holding on to my stomach, and I'm sure I'm doing the, the, the old woman shuffle <laughs> down there. And usually, like, I'm a real quick walker. And here I am shuffling down there, and put my hand on my stomach, and people must think, oh, look at that old bag down here. Why doesn't she take the bus? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing, too, like, how much, because like, I always, even just I'm looking at people right now in this convention center, and to me, they're all walking slow. Like, it always feels like everybody's walking slow, and I'm always walking around people, and they're always in my way. But last week, I felt the exact opposite. Like, I was walking so slow that, like, old people would be coming up behind me and kind of, like, it's like this weird, uncomfortable, like, just walk around me. Like, don't make me walk fast. I can't. Like, this hurts. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. Man, though, I've been to some cool places. Like, it was kind of worth it. Like, I don't know. It's, uh, there's the, this, uh, man, what's it called? It's called, uh, White Cliff Park with a Y in the white. And, uh, you can just take this bus to Horseshoe Bay, it's called, and you gotta walk this other thing. Anyway, it's just this, like, little park that has, like, a giant big rock that's in the, in the middle of the ocean. And, like, you can walk out to it, like, on a little peninsula and up on this rock. And 
and it's just like there's all these uh, houses built into the cliffside that are like super beautiful and must cost millions of dollars and you can just get there on a bus like Vancouver is pretty amazing but yeah I think it's because of all this type of stuff <laughs> like I've just been pushing it way too far and just walking too so much. Have you been watching the news lately at all? Not really why what's up? The um you know, my brother Bill used to live in Fort McMurray. He doesn't live there now because he's retired. Right. You ever, have you heard about the fires in Fort McMurray? No. Fort McMurray is a northern community city. It's a city. In Alberta, right? Yep. They had to evacuate, this is a couple of days ago, over 88,000 people because there are wildfires all around the city, and the city's like half burnt. Damn. And you should have seen the fires. Holy Moses, were they ever spectacular, like... All, I mean, giant things, and gas stations were blowing up, and then as people were leaving the city, they were gridlocked on the highway, because there's only one highway, it's a double highway, but it's one highway going in, one highway going out, because it, it originally was just one of these little, I think it started probably as a mining town, you know, a couple hundred years ago, of course, then oil was discovered there, so it's where all the oil sands in northern Alberta are most of them are at, at the Fort McMurray or in the surrounding area of Fort McMurray. But anyway, oh yeah, the 85,000 hectares have burnt. Like, I, my girlfriend Ann Dort lives there, and I'm just wondering, they said the first night that uh, all kinds of trailers in the trailer park, she had a trailer um, burnt. They've shown, now with, they're just starting to show pictures now because the fire has died down enough that they're able to get in and, you know, show pictures. Up to that point, it was just flames. People who were leaving, there was all kinds of cars abandoned by the road because people only had about 30 minutes to evacuate. Of course, that would just fill the highway with vehicles. Right. I knew it didn't have enough gas. And there was no gas in Fort McMurray because one of the gas stations had blown up and who knows what happened to the other one. So anyway, then that was early in the week. Then there was a windstorm picked up last night and um, a whole lot of the surrounding areas, like the little communities that were taking these evacuee people in and housing them in, I don't know, I suppose schools and rec centers and that kind of stuff. Well, one of them last night, which is where Bill used to live, it's about 20 kilometers outside of Fort McMurray, they had to evacuate that because the fire's coming for it. Jeez. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, I don't know how I didn't hear about this. I had to look this up. Yeah, oh yeah, it's quite a, and the fire's still burning, big time. Damn. See, well, it's a, these, they're all surrounded by woods up there, like right. forest. Everybody thinks, so. you know, you think Alberta, you think prairie, but it, this is north of the prairie line. Yeah, and I mean, if it's been anything like here, I mean, it's been hot as hell around here, so yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, been, it's been 30, 32 degrees, and then, of course, the, these dry, dry winds. So anyway, that bad enough news. So here I was watching the news tonight, and they were saying in B.C., and this would be on the, probably, well, it would have to be on the mountain, on the, you know, east of the mountains. Um, they've got a wildfire there, and it's crossing over into Alberta. Not, not that, not that the fire respects provincial boundary lines. <laughs> they don't care. But um, oh yeah, it, I mean, it, and all these big houses. Uh, well, everybody's. I mean, probably half the half the city is uh, yeah burnt. Jesus, yeah, that's crazy. That's like I, I can't remember where I heard about this, but I was hearing a thing about um, like controlled burns, and it kind of makes sense, like where they'll clear out parts of a of a forest or something just so that like once the fire hits that point there's nothing left for it to burn <laughs> just so it'll stop and it won't just yeah. destroy everything well this day apparently it started on one side of the big double highway and then uh, at one point it jumped 
and Man. when he jumped, that's it. Then he just took right over. Man, that's fucking crazy. How does how does like yeah how does fire get across a whole highway? Like that's nuts. Well, if you get enough of a wind, all it takes is a couple of cinders being yeah, I guess that's blown true. over. And everything was so dry, apparently, just like a tinderbox. That was one thing I just saw at the new Jungle Book movie, the live-action one, and it was pretty cool. Oh yes, I've heard it's quite uh, it's quite the movie. Yeah, one thing that's amazing about it is the whole thing is like computers. It's like a, a real kid, and everything else is fake, and I didn't even know that until after. Like they have little tiny basic sets, but they film the whole thing just in a, in front of a blue screen. It's nuts, like how good technology's gotten. But there's you know a part where Mowgli is trying to scare Shere Khan, and he has a branch with fire on it, and. Uh, yeah, and then it catches and, like, the whole jungle's on fire. And then, uh, you know, these elephants at the end are like, hey, let's just make sure everything's okay. We'll redirect a little river. And, oh, there we go. Now the fire's out. And it was such bullshit. It's like, dude, that fire is not out. That, that fire is never going out. That fire was huge. And, yeah, the sounds, like, that type of thing. Well, if you get to see some pictures of this, I mean, these, this fire is huge. I mean, they'd show, like, a house, and you'd see this flame, and then the trees in the back, and you'd see this flame that would be big, big, tall trees, right? Right. Big, giant trees. And you'd see this fire in back that would be, like, four and five times higher than the trees were. And, oh, and smoke. I mean, I'm sure there's everybody's going to be complaining about respiratory problems in the whole northern part of Alberta. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's really, if it, if it wasn't causing so much damage... You'd say, wow, like, what a spectacular sight. I'm sure I'll say that anyway. <laughs> but I don't know anybody who lives there. But, uh, yeah, that reminds me of that Tales from the Iroquois book, the little drawing they had of a forest fire, that it's just, like, this crazy flame-haired, like, demon-looking thing. And oh, just, yeah, the little demon in the fire. Yeah, yeah, and the little drawing of, like, the arrows, like, up a tree, down a tree, up the tree, down the tree. Like, he just leaps across all the trees. and Yeah, even though, like, that house fire I had in Toronto, like, that was just a tiny i mean relatively tiny fire it burned down a whole apartment building but but yeah just like how immediately overwhelming the smoke and the fire was so i mean i can't even imagine like a great big out in the world crazy fire that must be nuts did anybody pictures of these vehicles going down the road around the hot down the highway like they're going toward edmonton and like yeah, yeah there's fire on both sides of the road and then there's just this massive black smoke that they're driving through I guess even if you just have like a little bonfire like down by a lake or something, like trying to hold a hot dog to it, like how hot that can get. So yeah, even just thinking of that, it's like, damn, times a million. So did anybody die? No, well, apparently there was an accident, but it was a motor vehicle accident yesterday and two people were killed in that. They're not, they don't really talk about that, but the fire itself, no, amazingly uh, enough. That's pretty remarkable. Moving that many people around or getting them out, um, um, no, nobody. Um, yeah, I mean, nobody uh, has has been killed in this fire. Yeah, like so. rest in peace to the people from the car. But I mean, they, that probably is a normal statistic for just a car crash. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Man, yeah, that's nuts. That's crazy. Like, hey, you never know. Maybe this will be a great lesson for all the people of Fort McMurray. Of like, don't don't try to hold on with to your your possessions because uh, you can't take it with you. Sometimes See, a fire destroys everything. I went out there with uh, Liz and Chris to visit Bill there about oh, five or six years ago. And he drove us all around there. And the other thing, I can see why the housing would burn so fast. Here are these great, big, beautiful homes worth a million dollars each, whatever. But they had no setback requirements when they built them. Right. So you could probably stand in your yard with your back up against your house 
and put your hand out. And touch a tree? Maybe you couldn't touch the house next door, but you're pretty well, oh. damn well, be, be pretty close. I see what you mean. So, and yeah. they had no driveways in the front, so what you did is you drove down, like, okay, let's say, like Union Street. When you wanted to park your car, you would go down to, let's say, Gill Street, go on to, like, a, that would be a service lane. And then the service lane would take you off Union Street, and you would, and then a little dry, a long driveway would go down in back of your house. All the vehicles would be parked in the back. So the housing that you saw along the front of Union Street would be very, very close. And I'd say closer than that building that's next door to us. Right. And that I mean, is that's four very feet close. From us. <laughs> yeah. Now, maybe not. Maybe that's as close as they were. But you know what? That's close. And they were all like that. So if you get a fire that breaks into, like, say, one of those houses, well, shit, it wouldn't take anything for the house next door to be compromised because it's... It's not even like, it's not even a spit away. It's like, you know, an arm's length away. That's like the irony also of having a really expensive house that's like surrounded by trees. Like I, I feel like uh, West Vancouver around here would be the same thing. It's like all these fancy expensive houses, but trees everywhere. Like the houses are just another tree basically. Just waiting to burn. Anyway, that's the story of the week. Every time you turn on the TV or the radio or whatever, there she is, Fort McMurray burning. And it must be weird too, right? Because like, you know, the kind of general narrative is like that, you know, human beings have, we've outsmarted evolution. We became, you know, uh, self-aware, which maybe no one was ever supposed to, <laughs> no animal was supposed to. So now we're in control and we're wrecking everything and we're destroying the ozone and we're killing all the whales and whatever. But but then you get these these uh, reminders that like sometimes you know like Mother Nature is still bigger than us. Like I'm sure they must have like those big water bombers and stuff, and you just like drop a, as much water as you can on this fire, and it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you can and you can see them with the. There doesn't seem to be that they're using water bombers, but they're using a heck of a lot of uh, helicopters. Right. And finally, uh, I think it was the premier made some little announcement tonight that. Uh, they're they're not getting anywhere. The only way that this fire is going to go out is with a mass rainstorm. Man, shit. And they're not expecting to get one. For there's nothing in the forecast that says, oh yeah, we're going to get a rainstorm here. Like this morning was raining here, and I thought, hey, geez, we should send that rain out there. Man, yeah, that's that's fucked up. I wonder, yeah, like what it'll even be like after. Like, will there even be a point to? Uh, going back and living there <laughs> or should you just live somewhere oh, else they'll undoubtedly they will rebuild apparently their downtown section survived now unless when this this storm that's burning there or this fire that's coming back like it's kind of coming back on them maybe it's going to do it in who knows um, but um, they, they will rebuild as long as the oil sands and all that stuff are up there. Oh, I guess, yeah. Yeah. They, they don't have a choice. <laughs> they got it. Because it was a city anyway that, I mean, it, they, it's a city. They call it a city now. But I remember thinking when I was out there, it's like, it was like a little community that was just bursting out of its bounds. Like, grew too fast. Um, these houses, as they say, with no setback requirements so that they're all, like, built almost one on top of the other. It's like they just... Uh, there's so many people out there working the oil things. They just need to get housing, and so it's just going up, going up, going up. And you know what? Maybe in that kind of culture, temperature, um, environmental place where, you know, it's the tree up just above the tree line, maybe mankind was never supposed to be up there anyway. Yeah. And yet here they've got this, this, big, this big infrastructure, and 
no way to protect it. I mean, they've got one road in, one road out. Like, shit. What <laughs> yeah. if something happens in the road? You can't get out on the road. That is like, man. Well, there's a sign right there that, you know, like, should that community have been built? Well, it should have been built with more than one road in, one road out. That's so, that reminds me of like that uh, that movie about the big storm, the perfect storm, where it's just like everything went wrong for these this poor fishing boat. Like this is a similar type of thing. It's like you guys, it's like you built a community ready to burn. <laughs> like one way in, one way out. Yeah, like that's terrible. What a bad idea. <laughs> like what if something had happened that there had been some kind of a, a major accident on that highway that would totally block both lanes block oh, brother four lanes damn yeah that would have been like the most horrifying massacre ever like everyone would just burn that'd be horrible and right now there's a there's a worry for the people that went north because um, a lot of people when they left uh, went south to, to uh, you know to go to Edmonton well that's where everything is in the south but a lot of people went north and there's a, there's some communities uh, native communities and that and I suppose other little communities but they're just small little communities that are north so when they went north, now the concern is, what if the and the and the fire is coming, you know, because of the wind, the fire is coming back on them. Um, what if that road uh, from those northern communities uh, gets cut off and people can't even get back to Fort McMurray and through Fort McMurray and south? So all of a sudden they're blocked off, and if they if they get blocked off in the north, you can't go any further north. Because they're north. I mean, eventually those roads die out. Right. You might be able to drive from Fort McMurray to to a community, but then that's it. Because in the wintertime, oftentimes those communities are only accessible on ice roads. There's no roads. Man, you really... fly in, or in the wintertime, you might be able to go on an ice road. This really does sound like it could be an action movie, like, you know, or some crazy disaster movie of, like, you're just trapped between, like, the fires everywhere and there's nothing you can do. Man, that's pretty terrifying. Like, they must, when they wake up and it's a nice, beautiful, sunny, warm day, they must just be like, fuck. (laughs) Like, God damn it. And apparently five years ago, I think it was, I don't remember this happening, but I must have missed it, but there's another community in northern Alberta called uh, Great Slave Lake. It burned. And about half of the community burned, but it was much smaller. It had a, it had seven or eight thousand people in it, I think. It didn't have like, like like eighty-eight thousand from Fort McMurray. And then you get these surrounding areas now that are being evacuated. So you know we're probably talking a hundred thousand people who have been evacuated. Man, yeah, that's crazy. It's weird too, like just that, you know. Obviously, uh, you know, as human beings, we're like, oh damn it, this is fucking our shit up, but. Uh, but yeah, like if it wasn't for us, if it was just the world, it'd be like, oh well, big fire, whatever. Oh well, those will grow back. <laughs> you know, like maybe it's uh, even helpful or whatever. But yeah, with to us, it's a horrifying super disaster. Even like, I mean, this is a, a way bigger scale, but I was reading something about just how how life developed on the planet Earth. And like it, it was, part of it was, uh, it was like meteors smashing into the planet at just the right time like oh here's one now and then four million years later here's another big one and like they just destroyed everything on the planet and that happened like a few times but if each one of those didn't happen just right we wouldn't be here now (laughs) you know it's just a weird thing to think about but obviously a fire is i don't know i guess it's all it's all scale right it's all relative Mm -hmm. seems bad to us but to the planet it's like oh fire whatever 
Yeah, because you know what? This is okay. This is this is a, a major Canadian fire, and I, you know, you get so many people from all over Canada who work in places like Fort McMurray. Uh, it's not their permanent home necessarily, but they're going there to work in the oil sands and stuff. But I've been watching some American news. Uh, oh well, no, they're all their thing is all the Donald Trump, <laughs> yeah. Hillary Clinton. Are they going to fend off with one another and then not in the election? And that's, and that's their big thing, like a, a story of a major fire. Because this is a major fire, there's no question about it. A major fire in a northern Canadian community. Oh, yeah, well, what? Where's that? What? I'm sure it's not even on their radar. I wonder, too, how, uh, like, uh, I mean, I'm just presuming that this thing probably started from uh, a, a human source somewhere. Because I wonder before people... Like, I mean, obviously there were forest fires, but it would have to be weird stuff, like lightning hitting or just really, really dry, hot conditions. Like, I wonder how often there even were forest fires before us. I'm sure it got way worse once we came around. Oh, I'm sure they did, because I'm sure, yeah, you're right. I don't know that this, I don't know how this one started. I don't know if anybody knows how this one started or if they ever will. But, yeah, the majority of forest fires are started by some idiot out there with a cigarette or burning trash or... You know, when there's burn orders don't in place, like it's too dry, don't be doing that. People do it anyway. And it's this time of year, you know, where people say, oh, i got to burn that grass off. That was one thing I actually I liked about the new Jungle Book is, uh, I mean, every version of the Jungle Book is good. You can't really screw up the Jungle Book. But, uh, but in the old cartoon, like King Louie just wanted to be like a human, but for no particular reason. And in this one, they, they changed it where he wants the fire. And he's like, hey, Mowgli, you're a human. You know how to make fire, right? Which Mowgli doesn't. But but that made kind of more sense because it's like, now I can I can rule this jungle if I have the fire because the fire is the thing that only men have. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. Well, and there's no, there's no question in our civilization that fire was one of those... Fire was like the wheel. Fire was like that sharp tool that allowed man to kill something that was bigger than he was. Yeah, fire's right up there with all those things that uh, that advanced civilization. Man, did you ever hear about the thing that always kind of blew my mind, like one of those survivalism things of if you're trapped in the Arctic or whatever, somewhere freezing cold, that you can start a fire by taking ice and if you uh, take your gloves and just like rub the ice into a circle like as smooth of a sphere as you can you can use that like a magnifying glass and you can actually start a fire with a piece of ice <laughs> it's like wow that's that's cool really yeah. you know what it makes sense you probably could yeah like but the way I, people I, no, I never would have thought of that you know like piggy with his specs in uh, lord of the flies except out of ice yeah i thought Make that was pretty cool too yeah, I'm sure it's. And then you got and you got to have a little bit of tinder, so that it'll so that it'll uh, spark. Yeah, it's probably still like extremely hard to do, but apparently it's possible, and like that's it's pretty neat. Yeah, so it, your trick would be finding some dry tinder. Yeah. Because <laughs> remember, you're in the ice. Yeah, I feel Somewhere like. Where there's ice and snow. Yeah, I feel like this is probably something somebody did, like as an experiment, but no one ever actually did in a survival situation. Yeah, they situation. probably did it under some controlled conditions somewhere. They weren't really in the Arctic where everything was buried. Yeah. However, that's interesting because you know I never would have thought of that. Yeah, it's just really so it's because it's so you know fire versus ice like so elemental, so basic, but it's it's pretty cool. 
pretty neat thing. I've been watching, uh, I've been watching too much TV lately because uh, as well I'll be glad when this thing's all over and I can just get up and not bother with this crap anymore. But I was watching one of those, uh, a little bit of a flicking channels, and I was watching one of those. Um, there's this thing called, uh, oh, there's a whole bunch of these survivor shows on TV. Right. Alone, and you're out in the wilderness alone. Well, you're not really, obviously. The cameraman's there with you. Um, but Survivor and all that shit. Anyway, they're making a fire. Hey, they've got a little tinder thing with them. Well, hey, I think that if you're out there and you're supposed to be surviving, aren't you supposed to rub two sticks together? Yes. Or get yourself a piece of ice? But no, they've got the little flicker. Why that? Jesus, that's not. You've got civilization with you. I can't remember the name of it, but I heard there is one of those shows that is like for real, for real. But uh, but I don't know if they still make it because everybody just got you know hit a point of malnutrition that they had to pull the plug. <laughs> like you know, it just was impossible for people. Oh, yeah. there's one. There's one where they had to people used to have to have to withdraw because they were they yeah they were starving to death, naked and afraid. They take all these clothes that's, off. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah, and they take them to places like really weird places like a uh, jungle in Borneo or some um, rainforest in central Brazil or you know weird weird places that with that are really remote and. And they, and but they had. I know why they were able to take the flicker with them. They were able to take three. I think it's three things from the world, from the rest of the civilized world. And one of them, I think most people did take a like something that would flick, so that like a little flickering thing, so that they could start a fire. Okay, so I guess that makes sense. It would be funny just to try to show how tough you are. Just bring like some gum or something. <laughs> be like whatever, I'm good. Bring some chapstick, like just something ridiculous. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, because there's uh, another one of those shows. I think it's Survivor Man is the fake one, where uh, where like people have found shots from the show. Like here's a guy jumping over a little ravine or some little cliff or whatever, and they'll go to the same spot and then just turn left, and there's a highway right there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's just fucking bullshit. And then the I think Bear Grylls is the real guy. Like he's pretty legit. Eats, eats raw animals and stuff <laughs> and survives but, but yeah I mean it's TV you kind of got to expect everything on TV is some level of bullshit anyway I suppose I shouldn't uh, stay too long just because my feet aren't feeling too bad but I just don't want to risk it because yeah, I won't, you don't want to overdo it I won't really know till tomorrow and I'm just yeah I also uh, I guess you can buy like braces like kind of like braces like to wear at night or they're like uh I don't know, they're expensive too though, they're like $30 for one. So uh, I already had an elbow brace that I got from the dollar store, so I put the elbow brace on the worst of my two feet. And it actually does seem to help, because I guess, it's weird, like you'd think staying off your feet would be what you'd want to do, but apparently at night, just the way your feet, some people's feet curl while they're asleep, like uh, it, it doesn't stretch out, it doesn't let your, your tendons stretch out, so it, hurts more in the morning so like going to sleep is worse in a weird way unless you you know put a some kind of brace thing on your foot so i don't know it's i guess it's maybe it's similar to like when i was a kid <laughs> but anyway this elbow brace actually does seem to work on my foot like it just kind of keeps pressure on the foot so it stays stretched out a little and yeah like today i like like i was getting to the like today i just got up and went to the bathroom and it was fine but it, i did hit a point where like i'd have to wake up and take my little tennis ball and roll it on my feet and then do all these tissue stretches just to walk to the bathroom. Like, it was really bad. 
You should probably just del- try to limit your walking for, yeah. you know, a week or so. Yeah, I have so far. It's been about a week, and yeah, I'm still, you know, I still walk okay. like an hour, but not like seven like I was. So. Yeah, you've, you've probably, and, and you might have been been overdoing it so much that you've, you've created a little bit of nerve damage in your feet. Yeah, who knows? Apparently, I don't even really get how this happens, but I guess if this recurs enough, you get a bone splint somehow where the tendon connects to your foot. Like, somehow it builds up, like, a calcium deposit, I guess, from, from damage happening there. And it turns into, like, a little spike that is always stabbing at your uh, at your tendon and you need to get surgery. And, like, I certainly don't want any of that type of shit to happen. No, so. you certainly don't want any of that. But, and you may need to go and get yourself checked out by a foot doctor. Yeah, like, I'm sure orthopedic shoes and everything would be expensive, but if this... I mean, I feel like I'm on the mend, but if this doesn't fully work, I, I absolutely will. Because, like, yeah, there's there's really no option here. It's like, you, you yeah, have to be able to walk. That's right. And uh, if it does turn out that you have to get some, orth- oops, yeah, some orthopedic shoes, well, give me a call. Yeah, I always think of man, uh, this one Simpsons episode. I'm sure orthopedic shoes probably just look like sneakers, but where Bart has to wear these dumb orthopedic shoes because there's something wrong with his feet. Probably the same thing. And they're just the biggest, nerdiest, horrible-looking brown shoes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think modern orthopedic shoes probably you can't even tell yeah. that they're orthopedic shoes. Man, it's amazing, though, how, uh, you know, like whatever those shoes were I had before that were just kind of the crappy Walmart ones that caused a slow decline. Like, I had them for like you know months like eight months before it really became a problem so it's just you know slightly off or whatever and then even the flat-footed shoes took a while to really fuck things up but these um these little heel things i bought like they're still they're not very big it's like really i don't know it's probably an inch tall but it's just curved just the right way or whatever it's just amazing how that little difference like as soon as i bought them i could feel the difference and yeah it's surprising well, you good luck with it. You, uh, but it, if it does, if it doesn't get any better yet, you should go check it out. It reminds me actually a lot of it's like the foot version of being nearsighted or whatever. Like it's just you know your your eye is just slightly curved wrong, and now you can't see. And this is like that. It's like my foot is just slightly not like a proper foot. But yeah. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, let's wish us both well in our coming recoveries. <laughs> Yep. I wish you well, and I know you wish me well. So. Yeah, absolutely. This is like Hopefully our... we'll both be on the mend the next time we speak and in much better shape. Yeah, this podcast can move on from being a medical report, but but for now, that's what it is. Well, we hit the fire report, too, so. Yeah, that's true. I gotta go look that up. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, like, one reason is, like, like I really deliberately avoid the news. Like, I just don't like it. Again, because it's all just Donald Trump-type bullshit that I just, just don't want to know about. I just don't care, but... Yeah, somehow I missed out on that story yeah, completely. Yeah, well, this is a pretty big deal, so yeah, you should go check it out. So at least if somebody's talking about it, you'll know what they're talking about. Yeah, for real. <laughs> okay. All right. Alrighty. All right, so I'll call you in a week or two and see how things are going. Okay. Oh, and happy, mother, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. <laughs> Whenever that is, a couple days from now. Okay. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye-bye.